Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Hyder, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. What's up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger Podcast. So I am really excited about today's episode because I remember meeting Demi, it was like sometime last year in 2021. And I was so impressed by her. She was just really on it. Very obviously like so sweet and so humble, but she has built an insane business guys. Like, I don't know if you've heard of the 12th tribe or not, but I'm guessing most of you already have. So it doesn't need a long introduction, but it's essentially this online clothing store. It is massive. I see it everywhere all the time. I've literally stopped girls in random places asking where they got their whatever outfit from. And people have said 12th tribe to me. So this is like the real, like legit shit. And so when I met Demi, um, she was like, she didn't even brag about the fact that she'd started this incredibly successful business. She's so sweet. She was just like talking to me and I was like, okay, like, what do you do? Like, are you in wellness too? And she's like, no, I, I'm in fashion, like in this like very cute, meager way. Anyway, Demi is the founder, solo founder, might I add, of 12th tribe. And she is absolutely incredible. She has built her business guys without a dime of external funding. And she's been doing it for a hot minute. I've had founders on here who've maybe not raised, but their business is a little newer. Whereas Demi has been in this game for a while. And it's really interesting to hear from an entrepreneur who has done so well for herself without having raised any money. She really favors profitability. And it's just a really, really interesting conversation. I think you guys are going to learn a lot from her because, you know, she speaks a lot about the importance of building community, which she's done authentically. She is such a hustler. Like, wait till you guys hear how she got started and the kind of grit that she has. So I'm really excited to dive into the episode. But before we do, let's get into this week's hot tip, which is actually something so easy. And I don't know why it took me so many years to discover this, but guys, frozen blueberries are so fucking good. So 
I, I mean, you, I don't need to say this, but like blueberries are amazing. They're really rich in antioxidants. They're a good source of fiber. They're really, really good for you. So I get wild blueberries and like I get the frozen ones. And anytime I want like a sweet treat or like I'm feeling like a dessert, I have the frozen blueberries and I'll either add it to some coconut cult yogurt or just have it on its own. And it is so, so good. This is like such a cheap and easy hot tip, but I feel like anyone who hasn't heard of frozen blueberries, you guys like get on it, buy it immediately and tell me what you think, but I'm guessing you're going to thank me later. All right. Now let's talk about this week's review, which comes to us from... Alexandria H. And she says weekly rotation. This podcast is on my weekly rotation. I love how inspiring Sif is and following her podcast and Instagram has been a game changer for me. This is such a nice review. Alexandria, you are so sweet. Um, So guys, if you have a second of time, please, please leave me a review and rate the podcast. Honestly, it helps the show so much. It helps get to new people. I get to hear from you about what you like and what you don't like and what kind of guests I should bring on and what I should do my solos on. So the more you can tell me, the better it is. And I love connecting with you and hearing from you guys. So if you do have a second, please open your Apple podcast app. You may already have it open. Scroll to the bottom where it says rate and review the podcast and leave me a rating and review. I so appreciate it. And if you're new or haven't heard the journaling episode yet, if you do leave me a review, take a screenshot and send it to my email, sifat.h91 at gmail.com. I'm going to send you a free journaling prompts worksheet, which I work off of all the time. I'm really big into journaling and these are techniques that I've used for a long time and that I think will really, really help you. So yeah, it's like a nice little bonus for leaving a review. So with that, let's welcome Demi to the Dream Bigger podcast. So the first question I always ask my guests is, what was your big dream when you were growing up? My real epiphany of what I really wanted to do was in high school, I was obsessed with the fashion industry. I did internships with Nordstrom. They had like the fashion board. You could be 14 years old in high school and be on their fashion board, which is kind of this like day camp in a sense, because you can't really have internships, Mm -hmm. but they let you work in the store. They would do like trend forecasting. That's fucking cool. I know. It was awesome. And I remember my face was like on the wall, like to go into the dressing room. That was so cool. That is, I think that's still cool. And I'm way past high school at this point. What landed you that internship at Nordstrom? You just, you apply (laughs) and they have you do a little project and there was an interview process and it feels, wow, it feels like yesterday, but also a long time ago. And it also feels pretty mind blowing because I was so young and you don't realize that during the time, but yeah, I was pretty surprised I got it because there was like 20, 20 women that got it and they're all high school kids though. So it was like a high school program. That's pretty incredible though. And like why fashion, Demi? And like, like, was there a certain moment? Was it like a light bulb moment where I was, where you were like, okay, like no fashion is really my thing. And I'm just like really interested. I believe my mom, when she says that I've just been obsessed with clothes since I was like five, I would lay out my clothes every single day for school. Oh my I God. mean, like my outfit would be, it's like, it was like a flat lay of like the late 90s every single morning before school. And I'd be so excited to pick it out. But I went through a weird phase because I was 
very girly girl when I was little. And then I went into this tomboy phase with like my long basketball shorts and like, like slick back ponytail and just loved sports. And then I went back into just kind of my fashionista side when I got into high school and could probably have more of like that freedom of expression. And my mom grew up in the industry a little bit different, not necessarily the same type of fashion, mm-hmm. but she heavily inspired me in a sense as well. So I think it had always been a little bit in my upbringing. And I didn't know for a fact that I really wanted to do fashion, mm-hmm. you know, even into my, you know, in college. Mm-hmm. But it was a pretty strong passion of mine that I played played with the idea of. So then you finish this internship at Nordstrom. What happens after that? Like you go into college, like you decide you want to study fashion or what's the next step? So I wanted to study fashion, but my parents paying for school did not want me to study fashion. I remember going to a FITM interview with my dad and he walked out and was like, no, no. This oh is way, way too expensive. I'm going to encourage you to think about getting a degree where you have more of a broad, you know, more general degree just in case, right? Like I'm 18 years old. So what do I really know at 18? You know what though? I will agree with your dad there. And I agree I'll, with my father too. And, and I'll Thank tell you, you why. I'll, I'll tell you why, because I had a really similar experience. Okay. So when I was, I'd, I'd always been creative and towards the end of high school, I thought I wanted to go to culinary school. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love to like bake. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, okay, I'm going to go and like start my little like bakery or restaurant or whatever. And my dad was like, listen, if you want to, I'll support you, but I recommend you get a more generalized degree in case you change your mind. Mm-hmm. And I fucking changed my mind. So, yeah. you know, had I gone to culinary school, like just imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Parents know best. Yeah, that was seriously. the exact same approach my dad took. He was so supportive, but really tried to encourage me to mm-hmm. think about, you know, you're young, things can change. Yeah. This is kind of a narrow path if you choose it and it's pretty expensive. So, Let's think about some other options. So I actually went to community college. I went to two community colleges Mm -hmm. and then I went to San Diego State and I also studied abroad. So I had a pretty unique experience in college. It was just very diverse with how much I was exposed to. And I didn't study fashion at all. I studied communication. So there was no fashion or business within Mm -hmm. any of my classes, to be honest. I really valued the internship opportunities that I could find, where I could find them. But I lived in San Diego, so there really wasn't that much to do in fashion. However, I just found whatever I could, whether it was like a magazine internship, event internship, anything fashion-related, worked at a boutique, something like that, just to get a little bit of experience in the industry. Yeah. And I also don't think communication is like one of those paths that like puts you in a box because I feel like it's so relevant. Like even today, like running your business, like it's a huge part of what you do, especially like earlier days when you were kind of doing everything. Like I'm sure that mm-hmm. like that, whatever you learned kind of came into, like came in handy. I would like to say yes. <laughs> it was more for me, my college experience was more just about my personal growth. Yeah. I was actually surrounded by a lot of unique type, unique people towards like my junior, senior year who were mm. really invested in personal development. Mm. And you don't really get that in college. That's really interesting. Oh, no. This was the most unique situation. And I was a little bit of an outlier because I didn't go to all the parties all the time. I wasn't going to get, you know, drunk every weekend. I was just loved to learn and grow and work on my personal development. And I had met these other people who did the same. Like we would read 
books, you know, Tony Robbins, like Jim Rohn, all of at that age. Yeah, twenty one. That's I, amazing. I was really lucky to have met these types of people because it just I skyrocketed my whole mentality and allowed me to be more in touch with the the potential that I have. Honestly, you know, personal development is like building them. It's just strengthening this like muscle in your brain. And the more that you work on it, the more, the more confidence you have to pursue things that seem really challenging. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And like, I always say that I think one of the qualities that leaders or successful people have is like a gross mindset. And Mm -hmm. I think the earlier you realize that the better it is. Like I remember for me, that moment came, I think when I was 21, where I listened to this Ted talk. Where were you? In college, we would have been best friends. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was like such a nerd with me and my two girlfriends sitting in our apartment, literally listening to like TED Talks and all of yeah, like right? Tony Robbins and people would be like, what? You are weird. Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. But Nonsense. Like, are you getting brainwashed? I, I'm like, well, yeah, in a good way. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I got into it, my friends didn't really get it. Like, yeah. obviously I I did college and like I did that whole thing of like, you know, going to the parties and mm-hmm. like getting drunk with my friends. But then I landed like around when I was 21, I listened to this TED talk and it was from this woman, I forget her name, but I will link it in show notes. But she talked about the power of your 20s and how a lot of the times when we're in our 20s, we think like, it's fine. Like 30s are real life, right? And she just like encouraged people to like not waste their 20s and like really just do the work. And Mm. I was like, oh my God, like she's so right. I don't want to like kind of float through life. Like Mm -hmm. I'd always had direction, but I think that kind of got me on the path of just severe like self-growth and just that commitment. And, you know, I think like for younger people listening, what you're saying that like getting into that self-growth and like Mm -hmm. understanding that I don't know, like we can always improve and like open our minds and learn is like so important. Just the the idea that you can literally do anything in the world. It's true. You can do anything. You can create any reality you want. You don't like what you're doing? Great. Get out of it and start something else. I couldn't agree Do you more. want something? Go and chase it and make it happen. And the worst thing that happens is you fail. But yep. you'll only fail if you stop. So just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. But I love seeing that the younger generation, while social media does have its flaws, there is a lot of this self-love and personal growth that's being inspired right now through conversation online, mental health awareness, that is very powerful. And if you do more than just see it on internet, on the internet, on your story, click through it, and you really pick up the book and you really listen to a YouTube video. I was listening to a podcast this morning and they talk about your net time. So the time where you're not doing anything Thing that couldn't allow you to also listen to a podcast, whether it's driving or so getting true. ready in the morning. There's always enough time to do these types of things. So there's really no excuse. Turn off Netflix, turn off your phone for a little bit and just let yourself like absorb these words and let it build into your subconscious, right? Yeah, I think you can be really efficient in the way that you absorb good information. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be like, you know, you don't have to like carve out time for it if you're busy or you don't know where to start. Like, I feel like it's just making use of the time that you have. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of maybe listening to music for a half hour, like tune into like a really good podcast or an audio book, which will bring you like so much value. But, you know, I think the earlier people realize this, the, the better they'll get. And what you're saying about crafting your own reality and like just having that 
realization that, you know, we are capable of truly anything. And mm-hmm. I think that it really is the reading and the absorption of knowledge that makes mm-hmm. you think like that. You know, I, I get a lot of DMs from people being like, how do I stop thinking in such a limited way? I mean, how do you have this mindset, which is so positive and you think that you can achieve anything? Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's it's literally just reading. It's literally just and like also it's myself. okay. Like it's an up and down thing. Of Sometimes course, you're it's not, not every fucking day. Yeah. So that's what people don't realize or yeah. that they they get hard on themselves about is when you see these really positive people, remember that they have their, their lows too. Oh my God. Every, like all the time. <laughs> every day. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Every all day. Time. Just like crying but, but before we're this really positive. <laughs> we love positivity. Hey, I'm Allie Colbert. I'm a stand-up comedian, actress, and writer from New York City. And I'm Jackie Colbert. I have made my career as a comedian by using my insights and wit to make points. Funny points, but points. Look, I have good taste and too much common sense for just myself. So I'm going to share it with you guys. Okay, Allie, get over yourself. <laughs> and my younger sister and best friend Jackie is here to bring me back down to earth. Every Tuesday, Jackie and I are going to hang out with each other and some of our favorite people. And of course, respond to your questions and confessions. So send in your secrets. It's like church, but I'm Jewish and bisexual. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. Tell me about the path to founding 12th Tribe. Like what was what was the journey there from, you know, college to founding a company? Because that's a big deal. Well, it was accidental. I can't say I sat down and had a business plan and decided I'm going to build this multi-million dollar fashion company and hire these people. It was, I love the fashion industry. And I had a blog in college, not like the blogs today. It was really just this personal diary. Kind of. It was actually my like personal development dump. Okay. When I would read and listen, I would like to jot it down, jot it down or also just reflect and share in a way where I could inspire other people. Mm -hmm. So I would tie that in with fashion. Like I'd style my outfits and Mm -hmm. throw in the photo that is like my kind of creative expression through my Mm -hmm. clothes. Anyways, I didn't think anyone read it. Honestly, I just did it for myself. And I had made a website and I put, I thrifted some pieces, one of a kind items. I was really into like, you know, vintage Levi's and really cool belts and jewelry and vintage tees. And I created this website before Shopify is what it is today. Cause I went from Shopify to Squarespace back to Shopify. And I stayed up all night making this website, had my mom take photos of me up against the garage because I was living at home. This was after college and had her take photos of me like with a sheet. It was so janky with a sheet like up on the garage door on my iPhone, just put them up. And I had maybe 150 followers on Instagram. And I was like, surprise, I'm launching this store just as a fun project. Like at the same time, I was sending out resumes for jobs. You know, my parents were really adamant about doing that. So I kept doing that. But quickly, you know, just sales kind of happened organically. So when you have one piece, you got to get another to restock it. So I found myself continuously having to turn that inventory and go get new inventory. And I was living at home and I would go and ask anyone that would let me pop up like anyone nail salon can I pop up <laughs> country oh club my goodness like holiday <laughs> event hi I'm like a 23 year old trying to start a fashion company can you let me pop up here with my one rack 
because I can afford like 15 pieces of clothing. Oh my God. And thank goodness these moms were like, you should raise your prices. Because <laughs> they were like kind of, you know, a little bit more on the wealthy side. So they were just buying everything. Anyways, I just kept popping up in different places. And my half rack turned into a full rack, into a two racks to three. My mom let me use the guest room upstairs. And I literally would have random girls come over and dress them out of my guest room. And that basically transitioned when I moved into LA. Like I said, six months after, mom, I'm going to move to LA. Or that's where I need to go because it's either New York, LA for fashion. New York is a little higher end, right? And LA was more lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to dress every girl for Coachella <laughs> by March 1st. <laughs> I had never even been to Coachella. I don't even know how I got this idea. Still don't know. It was the self-growth books that yeah. you were <laughs> listening yeah. to I and have reading. I no idea how I got this idea. However, I got down in LA March 1st and went to 30 sororities and dressed hundreds of girls for Coachella. It got to the point where girls were hearing from someone at the gym, like at the front desk, hey, this this girl is dressing you guys for Coachella wait, across wait, wait. the street. What, what do you mean dressing these sorority like, girls? Like giving them clothes uh, for free? No, or? like they were shopping. Wait. Out of my apartment. Okay, how? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, we don't just gloss over that. How do you even get the word out to these girls in the sorority and even like incentivize them to shop? Because that's a fucking big deal. We can't just gloss <laughs> over that, Demi. Okay. Yeah. Good question. How did I do that? <laughs> so I went to these sororities and I would, they would shop off these racks and I would give them my number and I would literally just say, if you and your friends need anything else, you can come by and shop out of my apartment. Don't judge me if you need anything. And I also had a styling background. When I say styling background, I literally did freelance styling for a month, but I loved dressing make it girls. Till you make it. Right. I loved dressing people mm-hmm. just like I loved it. And so they'd come over and then word of mouth, a friend would text me like, Hey, I heard you have some really cool stuff for Coachella. Can I come by and shop? And I'm like, yeah, it's literally in my apartment, but yes, you can. And front desk at the gym across the street. He sent like 10 people over my way because he just was like, you should go check out this girl's like styling people for Coachella across the street. I was honestly mind blowing. And then I'll, I don't know. And then I get random DMs on my like 200 person account who'd be like, I heard, I, I really need like a, a pair of these jean shorts that you've been selling, which is one of our best sellers. They're called these Thrasher shorts. They're Levi's. And they'd meet me. They'd want to meet me anywhere. Like I had someone meet me in, you know, the Whole Foods right yeah. here at the Cross the Grove? Yeah. With her mom. Literally Stop. be like, can you meet me at this at this location? <laughs> and I'll pick up a pair of shorts. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so wild. And I'm like, so then, why does anyone trust me? Why do people trust me? You right obviously now? had great taste and like good stuff. So when you got to these sororities, would you pop up in those sororities as well? That's kind of how you got your footing. Yeah, that's yeah. So I did pop ups in the like during their chapter meeting hours mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. or there was like a mom's dinner night or something. Yeah. So so pulled up in my. Little white Jeep pulled out my two racks and so said, shop away. But that's if so you don't, smart, I can't make though. Rent. Because, no, but also the thing is that these sorority girls, like, they have such immense, like, I feel like they're, like, I mean, everyone's an influencer, but the thing yeah. is, like, their circles are, like, pretty large, right? And, like, one girl knows, she tells her friends, and, like, off yeah. you go to the races. Yeah. So that's so smart. It wasn't even just that. And I will say, like, if you do it now, it's totally different. Mm-hmm. It's it's totally different. I mean, even two years ago before COVID, we would do pop-ups and it just at sororities and mm-hmm. it just wasn't the same. And, but what I will say is from doing that, 
and then them going to Coachella, which is like the biggest music festival. And the word of mouth is ginormous. The reach on social organically alone is probably, you know, millions. And I didn't know because I was just starting, right? So I didn't know what impressions and yeah, all this no stuff shit. Is. And, but that's why it picked up so much is because everyone was talking about Coachella. Where did you get that? Where, where are you shopping? Where did you get? Oh, what is that? Everyone was showing their outfits to each other. Oh my God. Amazing. So then you start getting this traction. What happens next? Like, do you, do you like, like, cause you have so many product pages and everything. So how mm-hmm. do you go from, you know, janky racks in the apartment mm-hmm. to like 12th tribe very serious grown-up website. A lot of hustle, that's for sure. Like I said, my half rack turned into a fold, two to four to, you know, shelves and warehouse. It just grew, which was mm-hmm. wild because the whole company, the company's been bootstrapped from $800. So I really just kept turning the inventory and turning it and doing pop-ups wherever I could. I didn't do any paid advertising for two years. For two years? Mm-hmm. Which, if you launch a brand now, that's unheard of. It's... Like no one, I mean, you just can't, not not today anymore, you know? Like it's just, I think it's a different world. But I think it speaks to what you did with community as well, you mm-hmm. know? Like I think that even though today it's different and like, yeah, you need paid advertising to launch, but mm-hmm. we can't discredit the importance of community even today. Like it's everything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You can't win just by digital advertising and paying for shit, you mm-hmm. know? Like you actually have to get people so excited mm-hmm. to be a part of your your brand, really. Yeah. So how did you do that? Like, how did you keep that momentum going? Yeah. And that's actually a great point. And that was the main reason why I didn't advertise right away. So for the first two years, I didn't do any digital advertising. And that was solely to develop the community. My mindset was that I was going to make sure people loved 12th Tribe and I wasn't buying the customer or the follower. And I really wanted to earn their value and their trust and get this organic customer that would mean that most likely would mean I could do it even better when we started spending the money. It was really just about the organic community. I was like, if I, if I can, if they're going to love 12th Tribe, they're going to keep coming to the brand and they're going to shop without putting all this ad money behind it, then we got a brand. Like then we, we have something that's going to last. It's true. And especially I think in the fashion category, which is like quite crowded, I think you do need to have community because I mean, someone can go to Zara and there's no community really there except mm-hmm. for the fact that, okay, it's it's just from Zara. So like in order to really set yourself apart, and I think you, I mean, you are a fashion giant, you know, Demi, like 12th Tribe is like not a joke. Like that's like, it's like a pretty fucking big <laughs> fashion brand, you know, and mm-hmm. like a marketplace. So um, like, what are your tangible tips for someone who is, who has started a brand in whatever category and is looking to build that strong community? Like, did you keep in touch with those sorority girls? Like, mm-hmm. tell us, what you did. Yeah. I mean, my suggestion to anyone is to remember that there's real people behind the brand. As nice as aesthetically pleasing photos are and beautiful slides and stories that are so curated perfectly for a branded aesthetic, it's so important to remind your customers that you are real human beings behind the scenes. And there's a reason why influencers have such a cult-like following, right? It's because their personality is coming through. So how in your brand can you intertwine real personality? How can you show people that are behind the scenes? How can you make an effort in an email with whether it's new customers or 
VIP customers to personally reach out and thank them and ask them questions and get their feedback. I will send out emails to, you know, there'll be mass emails, but it is fully with the intention to reach every single person. And if they respond, then I will respond back. And I have had someone respond to it and say, I know this is a mass email, but like, good for you. And I'll email them back and say, but I'm on the other end and I'd love to hear your experience. And thank you so much for shopping with us because it really means so much, you know? It's so smart that you say that. And we do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. We're like, you know, whoever responds like to our like marketing campaign emails, like Nish and I are there. Like, I mean, we're, we're there. Like we're always responding. If customers reach out, we're like, we want to talk, you know? And I think that people underestimate the power that their customers have and just Mm -hmm. kind of showing people the human element and the fact that you actually really care about them as individuals. Mm -hmm. So I, like, I, I don't think that can be discounted. Yeah. And that is the biggest part about the brand and what I love is making, like, it's a place for people to feel empowered or to feel their their best selves or feel like they're a part of a community. So the last thing that I'm not going to worry about is the customer on the other end. You know, I'm still in DMs on Instagram because as much as I, you know, as much as the company grows, I want to know my customer inside and out. They are who we are serving. So how can I talk to them or how can I lead, you know, a company or brand or team to communicate with them if I don't even know them? Yeah. Right. So, you know, there's so many different ways you can do that, especially as you scale. And I think it's so important to remember that even as you scale and you want to like put on this super professional, like branded, just beautiful front on all these social channels, like break down the walls a little. Well, also, I think that have a balance. Yeah. And the climate has changed a little bit. You know, I think that there was an era at some point where it was like really these just like glossy photos would do Mm -hmm. really well. And you could just get away with just that. Right. But Mm -hmm. I think that things have evolved, you know, and people, I mean, you see even just like in for influencers, right? Like at one point, it was just these like really like edited, like high fashion, beautiful photos. And then people kind of didn't want that anymore, right? Consumer Mm -hmm. is like, you want the real, you want the authentic. And I think that that is the same for brands. Like Mm -hmm. people want to see the behind the scenes. People want to see who's building the brand and what Mm -hmm. goes into it and the funny TikTok videos. I Mm -hmm. mean, I think it's just part and parcel of what consumers look for these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's important. And like what you're saying, it's, it's, so, so true. So you go from being the Coachella brand. I mean, you clearly, whatever you'd said to your mom manifested and made it happen. Was there a real moment when you were like, oh my God, like this is real. Like was there, you know, it was all over social media or was there like a moment that you can think of? The I would say like at the end of the first month I was in LA because I'll never forget, it was probably February like 16th, maybe 17th, around just the later side of February, where I went to go visit LA. And I had never been to Los Angeles. And I went with my mom and uh, someone else. And I started bawling my eyes out because here I went from a $600 apartment in San Diego near the beach, mind you, like three blocks of the beach and the bay, to coming here and saying, okay, my budget is $900. Like, that'll be good. What? No. And I end up in the hood and I'm like, oh my gosh. And my mom's like, you literally cannot move down here. You can't. I'm not going to let you live in these er- this area. It's far too unsafe. I won't be able to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. You're not ready. You can't go. 
And I was obviously devastated and at the same time scared shitless because in my head, I'm like, no, I am. My plan, this is my plan. Mm -hmm. In two weeks, I literally need to be here to dress people for this. Like I have these pop-ups booked. I have my plan of how much I need to make Mm -hmm. and what I can make. Maybe, I don't know, right? I I wasn't sure. And I was bawling my eyes out just thinking, I can't, how am I going to survive here? Like, how am I going to pay these bills? It's Mm -hmm. not just rent. That's $1,300. It's my car payment and, you know, food and gas and bills. And so to have finished the first month and to have far surpassed what I needed to, I was like, oh my God. Okay. It's time. Like, let's go. Let's keep hustling. Let's keep doing this. Let's keep the momentum going. And I just kept kept moving. That's, I mean, it's really inspirational though. I mean, it, it must have sucked at the beginning, but God It was damn. hard as shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I mean, I didn't get to just click my ad spend and go higher. I was lugging shit on my back. I was going upstairs with racks and clothes and I would recruit friends right and left how I could get them to help me. And thank God I had that support system because it is lonely too. You know, I am a solo entrepreneur. So like, especially starting out of my apartment, I had a roommate, but I was glued to my computer and hustled my ass from like 6am to late at night, you know? Well, I mean, I think that anyone who's starting a business, right? I think if if you're thinking about it, people can tend to glamorize it and it's like, oh, like it looks so amazing, right? But that's, you're, you're only looking at people who've kind of gotten to a point where mm-hmm. things are like kind of stable and still like not really, it's never really perfect every right. single day, right? right? But you're not seeing the behind the scenes shit mm-hmm. that people have to go through. And it is so important to have good friends or just sense of community because- it's a really lonely journey. I say, I say this all the time that Mm -hmm. like entrepreneurship is truly like one of the loneliest things you can do unless Mm -hmm. you have like a good support system around you. And that's like to do the, like the real, like heavy lifting work, but Mm -hmm. also just the emotional shit that comes up with it. You know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And the understanding of, you know, your, your schedule not being flexible, or if you can't go to a dinner with your girlfriends and or whoever it might be, and just making sure that those types of people understand because you can feel pretty bad, you know. Essentially, you don't aren't necessarily trying to push people away, but your your schedule is demanding. Yeah, it's it's really, really rough. And your life mm-hmm. just your life changes when you're an entrepreneur. And so yeah. having people who understand that and are supportive and yeah, it's it's hard without a support system, I will say. So yeah. I think if anyone's trying or like thinking about it, I think it's important. Yeah, surround yourself by those people too. Cause yeah they're going to look at you like you're crazy for a little while. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So you have to find people who are going to love you no matter what. If you, you know, actually like came across just this reminder this morning is like, you know, get around people that are like, if you fail or succeed, I will love you no matter what. And I'll understand and I'll be there by your side. Just understanding people is so important. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. Do you remember your first hire? Mm-hmm. Who was it? Why Why that person? <laughs> oh, God, because I was like spinning out of control with how freaking busy I was. I was filling our, like filling orders. We were filling out orders out of this like 500 square foot room, basically. So, And you were packing everything yourself. Oh, my yeah. God. For how long? Yeah. Um, so we were in that small space for about a year. And then we moved into like a 3,000 square foot space. Mm-hmm. And we were still filling stuff. So probably two, three years. 
Wow. And no, how long were, two years. and how long were you doing the packing yourself before you helped you hired someone? I assume to help you pack Probably as well. Probably two years. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because I'd hire people and then we'd get more orders and it would pick up again. And so I'd have to like jump in yeah. at some point too. So, you know, it was probably for like a year, not even, where I could be like someone else pack everything. It was just, I got to get it into fulfillment as soon as possible. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So who was your first hire? So or what was the first role you hired for? Yeah, so she, I don't even, had interns. Those were like my first, the first people on my team, but- Full, first full-time hire was someone that could just wear any hat, every hat, basically packing orders, troubleshooting a website, doing photo shoots. You know, it's essentially a personal assistant. I don't even remember the title, but it was just, you literally do everything. <laughs> there's, there's, if you are joining a company or you were just hopping in with a, a founder, you are doing everything. All of the things. You literally cannot get a job title that does not encompass wearing everything. Yeah, we joke our first hire, she has literally done everything. Yeah. Like she has done social media when, by the way, it's not her background. She comes from a science background, okay? Right. Yeah. She has done speaking to our manufacturers. She's done literally A to Z. There is not one role she hasn't had. And like, it's true when you're going into a startup and you're you one of the- You be ready, people. If yeah. you're not <laughs> owning one and you're working for one. <laughs> it, you're you're really in the trenches. Yeah. Doing you got to have an all- entrepreneurial mindset. Even if you don't want to run the business, you better have a figure it out attitude. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> we say that like as a startup, you, you, for like, for a while, I think you have to just hire entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. because you can't, I mean, everyone has to do everything Yeah, and you just have to be willing to figure it out. Be really just, you know, that's scrappy. That's probably the one line that's in every role that we're hiring is entrepreneurial mindset required. (laughs) Cause I won't train you on it for three days all the time. It's true. You got to figure it out. <laughs> it's true. So you also actually like, let's keep, stay on this hiring situation since we're already talking about it. But do you have philosophy on hiring? Because now your team has scaled. How many people on your team now? Uh, 25. Oh my God. Okay. That's mm-hmm. like, a, I mean, you've certainly grown, but do you have any philosophies for hiring or tips that you can give to people who are looking to scale their business? Ooh, where do I start? It's definitely important to trust your gut. I would say, you know, your gut knows best, but definitely, you know, give people the shot that they deserve, help them grow. They may not fit into a position that you put them in right away, especially if you're a newer company. And it's most likely because there's just so many new opportunities that are that are popping up that you might find that their skill sets will work somewhere else. And that's totally fine. And in fact, that's more beneficial for them. And it's so important just to have those open conversations and be transparent and not be afraid to communicate with them. Communication is the most important thing with your employees, right? And I even encourage, you know, I've had turnover for sure. And it's really hard to find the right people in this type of environment where you are having to put on this entrepreneurial mindset, wear so many different hats, growth pains are real. I mean, it's, things are breaking, then you're fixing and then you're breaking, something else is breaking and it can be really frustrating. You know, working on a small team, everyone's pulled really thin. So making sure you have people who are extremely patient and understanding. Back to the communication point, that's the most important thing, right? Like if someone's not happy in their position, 
encourage them to tell you. Mm-hmm. If you're not happy with something that they're doing, just say it because it's just going to boil up under the surface and explode eventually. Yeah. And, you know, you don't, you just don't want that. And if something's not right for you or that other person and you experience turnover or you have to fire or someone quits, speaking from like the employer side, you will be okay. <laughs> it feels like the end of the world, especially when you're such a small team and mm-hmm. you're pulled so thin and someone maybe they're not the right fit. And it can be damaging to your ego. You can feel like it's your fault. It's your problem. You're the worst leader. No one wants to work for me. How can this happen? But it's very important to remember that everyone's on their own journey and it's just not, might not be the right fit for them. And it probably wasn't the right fit for you. And take what you learned from that role and put it to the next one. Oftentimes when people come and go, have come and gone, I realize what I actually need and mm-hmm. I want. And I think about it like dating, mm-hmm. honestly. It is. It is like that. Sometimes yeah. it won't work out and sometimes it will. And when it doesn't work out, you look at, okay, well, what served me? What didn't serve me? And you find the person that's going to fit the, the culture and the environment. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that communication is so, so important. And, you know, I think when you're in a startup, like you're running a startup, you're so busy, right? Mm-hmm. And I think just encouraging your employees or team members to kind of be upfront about what they need if yeah. they're not happier, you know, whatever, like, feedback they have, encouraging Mm -hmm. them to do that saves a lot of time and like Mm -hmm. hassle, you know? And initiative. It can be intimidating working for someone else, whether it's a manager or they run the company and they seem really busy and frazzled and, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't want to bother them. Bother them. Just bother them. Yes. They want you to bother them, you know, set it up on their calendar. There's nothing I appreciate more than someone taking the initiative and almost like holding me accountable. Like, hey, I need to talk to you about this. Set it in the calendar. We need to review this. And let's make it happen. Yeah. You know, no one, sh- you shouldn't feel intimidated or discouraged to set up something with someone you're work that might be your manager or your boss. Mm-hmm. They're going to appreciate it so much, right? So much. So, so right? much. Like, like you're so busy, your brain's all over the place. And the best thing for probably you and I both is like someone coming to you and be like, hey, how's 12 o'clock? Can I review this for 10 minutes and let's go over it? Truly, when, when my... <laughs> team members do that. There's nothing that brings me more joy. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because you just took one thing off my list. Yeah. Like it's, it's just really nice. So yeah, like definitely I think encouraging people to do that. And if someone is working at a startup mm-hmm. doing that themselves, it's important. Yeah. So you bootstrap the company, mm-hmm. which is incredible because again, like you guys have really grown and not everyone chooses that path. And you know, I've not actually spoken to a lot of founders who've scaled their company to the point that you have and still chosen to do the bootstrapped route. So why why bootstrapping versus raising money? Oh, man. Good question. That's probably, again, ego. But I, I've gotten to know the best of both worlds, Yeah, you know, especially living here in LA. But when I first started my company, I had no idea what the world of raising money even was. The whole idea was so just wild to me. And I couldn't even fathom it. If someone gave me a million dollars when I started my company, I'd be like, I don't even know what to do with this. And I don't want to waste, like, I don't want to spend it wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty, I've stretched the dollar a little bit thin and I had to obviously to be able to do what I've done. So I would want to be extremely confident in 
in where that went. Some people are totally different. They're the biggest risk takers with their money and they'll throw it wherever they they want. But for me, I'm just a little different. So I would say I did it mostly though for just the control of the company and to see if I could do it, (laughs) which we have, which is so amazing. And again, to the point of, I guess the longevity of it is like, if I can do it profitably and bootstrap it and not be handed the followers, the money, the clicks, it will survive. Like it will be a strong brand. No, it's true. And I'm not saying that if you do it another way, it won't be, but that was just where my mindset was at. I, I think it's a really important conversation to have because I have had people on the podcast talk about their fundraising journey, which is again, an incredibly important conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think that this perspective is also really important because I think in this day and age, fundraising has been really fetishized and glamorized. And mm-hmm. people think that, you know, if I'm starting a company, I have to raise this money and, you know, the Forbes and the tech crunch and all of that. But, you know, there's something to be said about growing a company profitably, I think it shows immense patience and leadership. And really it it does show that the brand has longevity and you've been able to do it so patiently and kind of scale it on your own. So there's something to be said about that as well. And I think that everyone should know that they have options when it comes to starting a company or Mm -hmm. scaling a company. It's entirely possible to do it bootstrapped like you have. And I mm-hmm. think that this is, it's really important to showcase examples like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also want to point out too, I had a lot less to lose when I was starting my company. I was living at home for, you know, a few months. I was pretty fortunate right off the bat to, you know, see success in the company. And I can understand though, where if you're later in your life and you also have more knowledge to put behind it and you are given this lump sum, then it will be more, it would have been more successful, especially for me. I was so new in the industry that I would never want to be like, let me raise, you know, millions of dollars, but I didn't have the experience and have the knowledge. I wouldn't know where to put it. For me, I saw it as like, it's just a waste right now. Yeah. And also I think that people don't realize the amount of time that goes into actually raising money. Oh, like yeah. you have to remove yourself as an operator altogether to be able to do that successfully. And yeah. so I think for I know, some- I'm so impressed by you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it really does take time and effort. And I think that it I, like how you've done it, it's, it's a it's it's a different philosophy. And I think it's important that people explore that option as well because yeah. we bootstrapped for a really, really long time. Yeah, We did, like we put our wedding money into it. And I think, you know, it, it just teaches you a lot. It teaches you a lot about finances too, which is important. You need to learn how to run your business profitably. Definitely. So do you have any tips for someone who is looking to bootstrap and wants to kind of stretch their dollar? Like, did, like what, what are your ideologies there? Yeah, um... Less is more sometimes, right? Like we can get ahead of ourselves and think, oh, I need this, I need this, and I hire that. I need to hire this and I need to spend that. Really like sit back and look at your vision and think about what you really need that's gonna move the needle the most, right? Like start leaner and really focus in on what's gonna make the biggest contribution to the return on your dollar. Mm -hmm. It's so different with... certain industries, you know, you sometimes have to have that startup capital to be able to really bootstrap. For me, you know, I started with my probably, you know, a couple hundred pieces of clothing and I turned it pretty quick to where I could take that 800 to 16 to 32. 
But for someone that wants to like design a whole line right away, your upfront costs are a lot higher. Mm -hmm. So it depends. But, you know, I if you're bootstrapping it, you can definitely find leaner ways to do things. You don't need to pay influencers thousands of dollars, hundreds of dollars. Really be transparent with the people you're working with, the partners that you take into your company and just explain to them, look, I'm starting this business from the ground up, small company, but big dreams would love your support, right? A lot of people want to help other people out. Such an important thing because I think people discount how important it is to be like upfront and transparent and people do. Like I I, I really do see that. And even yeah. for us, it was really the same thing that I remember when we were gifting influencers early days, right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't have any money to spend. Like yeah. we really didn't. We we yeah. And I was so transparent about that. I remember writing those emails and I was like, look, I think that this product can really help you. That's why we made it. Please let me send it to you. There's absolutely no pressure. But mm-hmm. if you want to support us, like here's our Instagram. And we're like a completely strong, like small company and, yeah. you know, with our literal own money and we don't have a dollar to spend. And yeah. people were so nice about yeah. it. People want to support people who are trying to chase their, who are chasing in their dreams. Yeah. So sometimes you want to fake it till you make it. And sometimes you just want to be like, nope, this is what's going on. I need your support. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Tell me your productivity tips. Well, I'm the most productive when I, when I work out, honestly, this is kind of different because it's not like writing down notes or a Slack tip or like something on Excel. No, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one. And people don't talk about it enough. Yeah. You're, the energy that you can get just from working out, even though it sounds draining, it's actually pretty reinvigorating, <laughs> clearer, clearer minds, just more, honestly, my vision becomes so much more visible. I go into like extreme focus mode when I'm working out for some reason, especially when I'm running, I come up with all these ideas. It's yeah. like, and I leave in the, and I leave from a workout in the morning. So productive. Like my head, I'm just clear minded. Yeah. Well, remember when we were in New York, I'd see you like we'd be get, like, I'd be getting coffee waiting in line and you're like in your little like workout gear. <laughs> yeah. It's like seven in the morning. You're like, I'm going to the gym now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I try to keep the, try to keep it going. I haven't worked out in a little too long recently, but I'm so freaking productive when I work out. I'm like, slay in the day. <laughs> it's the endorphin rush. It is. Yeah. I'm not joking. Like it really does something to you. Yeah. You've, What's your productivity tip? Oh my gosh. Like you have good ones. You always have like yeah. just amazing Instagram posts. Spreading Thank the you. Knowledge. I, I'm like very particular about just how I connect myself in the morning. I think like a big tip that people don't talk about is to not consume so much social media, Um, especially first thing in the morning. I think that you wake up and your mind might have a lot of ideas, but Mm -hmm. if you're consuming things first thing in the morning, it really Mm -hmm. takes away from your own creativity. And it's funny because over the holidays, I did this like really intensive like course on like meditation and manifestation and all of that. And I became very aware of what was making me feel really good and what was making me feel like not so good. Mm -hmm. And I would wake up in the mornings and I'd be like, hi, I'd be so happy. I am a morning person. I love my mornings. And anytime I would get an email notification or like, Mm -hmm. you know, have like have my phone on not do not disturb, like just Mm -hmm. regular or, you know, look at Instagram or whatever, as soon Mm. as I woke up, I'd notice that my mood would just like slip Mm. before my day even started. Yeah. And so I think just getting your mind to a place where I don't know, like you've given your creative energy a little something Mm -hmm. and kind of strengthened yourself before you take that energy in. Yeah, I agree with you. It's really important, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially if you're working from home. 
setting that boundary. Mm. And I've done the same thing where I don't check my emails anymore before 8.30 actually. Yeah, yeah and same. And when I go to bed, I will turn my phone on airplane mode. Mm-hmm. And I could probably turn it off, but I use it for my alarm. But I used to not sleep through the night at all. Wow. And I did sleep study, a sleep study. I would like sleepwalk. I was, something oh was, my goodness. All, I had so much anxiety. I was so stressed. I was like, I would wake up in the middle. I had the worst sleep patterns. And it truly I was from stress and anxiety. And I'd put my phone on airplane mode, which meant nothing could come in, mm-hmm. right? Like I used to check my, when I first started the company and Instagram was so much more lucrative than mm-hmm. it is today. Like if someone posted back then, you could sell a hundred shirts within like minutes. So, you know, my brain was always on, like I'd check Instagram all the time in the middle of the night and I turned off everything to co- that could come in. And it's almost like turning off that, putting on that airplane mode, mm-hmm. just like put up this like block where I actually felt like no one or anything could disturb me. And I found peace and my energy just completely rusted. And I am able to sleep through the night so well. Well, it's true. Like yeah. if we're distracted, I mean, even for me, I, I, I've always been, or for the last few years, I've been really protective of my mornings and I've been really vocal about having a morning routine, mm-hmm. but people discount the importance of like protecting your energy before you're going to bed as well. Right. Yeah. Like how on earth do you go to bed if you're, you know, furiously answering emails, like literally right before your head hits the pillow, like yeah. you just can't, you know? And I, I noticed how bad it was when, you know, during stressful periods, especially early days of Array, Nish would come into the bedroom and I sleep earlier than him. So he'd come into the bedroom, like when I was going to bed and like, just like talk to me about all of the fires we needed to put oh, out. You're like, like all right now. Yeah, like literally right I have then. to wind down. Yeah, and I, but I didn't even realize that that was like impacting me so much. So I'd be waking up throughout mm, the night with so like anxious. nightmares. So anxious. And I, that's never happened to me. And then I was like, wait a minute, there is something wrong here. And so now it's like, no, you know, I don't look at my phone, like no social media before bed, no mm-hmm. emails before bed, like literally for about 30 to 45 minutes before I go to sleep. Like I have, you know, French jazz music on. And then I like meditate a little bit and then I go to bed. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's my thing now. Because yeah. again, like I think that you, you can't do that to your mind when yeah. it's trying to unwind. You just can't. You can't. No, it, it'll cha- it changes things so much. Mm-hmm. And I've actually realized, so I never watched TV like mm-hmm. for years. You know, everyone was on this like Netflix. How are we the same individual? I know, I know. It's, it's kind of I'm so wild. glad we met. <laughs> yeah. So I never watched TV, but this is where I realized like I really shouldn't and I'm not anymore. So I started to like, I'll, I'll give myself an excuse almost like, you know, you can do this. You haven't watched, you haven't watched TV in years. Like allow yourself to like chill, let your mind go into a place where you don't have to think about work or other things. And I would have nightmares about these TV shows. Like, and I'd wake up and like, of panic or it would affect me throughout the day. And so I went back to like my personal development nights where I'm listening to different podcasts or TED talks and just putting on candles and letting it play in my apartment. And it's just reminded me how draining the shows I were watch I was watching. While it felt good in the moment and I was like, oh I have to watch the next show. I need to see what happens next. And I can relax and feel normal for a moment. I realized how it kind of was like weakening this 
you know, this like brain muscle that I guess I had have talk, talked about. And I don't want to watch TV anymore. <laughs> it just feels so much better when you're like nourishing your brain with something good. I am so with you because I always say that I'm someone who's like very sensitive to what I'm consuming. Mm-hmm. And so I've never been um, someone who's been able to like watch scary movies be- or like even watch something sad because mm-hmm. I have like sadness hangover for days. Like I, I feel like That's it doesn't. so funny. I have that too. You Okay. Yeah. You understand. Yes. So when like, why am I so affected by someone else's yes. situation? Oh my God. I watched that movie. What was it with? Oh my A Star is Born. Okay. Mm. And I watched it in theaters and I was like, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's this huge thing. I really want to go watch it. I watched it. It was an amazing movie. I swear to you, Demi, for seven days after that, I felt like I was depressed. And I was like just replaying it over and over. I'm like, this is yeah. not even my life. Why yeah. am I so impacted by it? And it's because I'm sensitive to things. So yeah. now, like, I mean, my friends make fun of me and whatever. I don't even care. Like my brother is just like constantly, it's like it never stops. But if I do watch TV ever, mm-hmm. it's the lightest things. Like I'll watch Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah, just I think like, that's why I watch Emily in Paris. Yeah. And, like, yeah it's stuff, like, like, it's so light, like yeah. you know, nothing heavy, nothing that's like burdening me that I can like feel like really like be upset about because I don't know, there is yeah. shit going wrong. And like, there's a lot happening with work yeah. as it is. I, I don't, don't need, need that energy. Okay, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So for someone that's not into the personal development and will actually go and binge the Netflix and has no desire to turn off the Netflix, how would you suggest that they started to get into, you know, just bringing in some type of entertainment or something that will motivate or encourage them? I feel like listening to a podcast while like even walking, because it's not like you're listening to watching Netflix when you're walking. First of all, I think that the desire has to be there, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can't like, if you have no desire, then nothing that we say or anyone else says can get through, right? But Mm -hmm. if someone is even like mildly interested in making a change, but maybe just doesn't know how to break current patterns, Mm -hmm. I would say to stack that personal development goal on top of a habit or like a life thing that you already have going on. Like mm-hmm. we, I mean, you're walking somewhere, yeah. right? I don't care if it's like a five minute walk or a 15 minute walk or even a two minute walk. Like mm-hmm. if you can listen to a snippet of a podcast or a snippet of, I don't know, like a Ted talk or something, mm-hmm. I think it, I think it just helps. Mm-hmm. And it's going to sound weird because it's a little spiritual, but it's okay. Like, just keep listening to it. Yeah, yeah. And what I realized, too, is even if you're not fully focused on it, your subconscious will pick it up. Exactly. So you'll start to you'll start to realize or certain things in your life will be triggered and you'll think, you'll be like, wait, that's familiar. And it, you don't necessarily have to be so dialed into what you're listening to to absorb information. So even if it's playing in the background, like I said, like your subconscious will pick it up. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm sitting there and taking notes of everything. I'm like listening to a reading, but you know, it's interesting because I don't know, something will happen and I'll be like, oh, I remember something from somewhere. And it's like an unlock, you know? And I Mm -hmm. feel like it's, that's just all that it is. Like, you know, just take in like bits and pieces. I, I always think that philosophy for like good changes is not to do less of a quote unquote bad thing, mm-hmm. but add in more of the good. I agree. And you like crowd out the bad, you know? And if that, and that can be like, you know, something like, 
you want to eat more vegetables or less sugar, whatever right. that is. Like you don't take out the sugar or the right. pasta or whatever that is. Just add in a little bit more of a vegetable, right. you know? Because you're only going to want what you can't have even more. Exactly. So if you have that type of self-talk, yeah. it's going to be so A hundred percent. And totally so, you know, agree. like when it comes to self-development, growth, reading, whatever that is, it's not like go cold t- turkey, like, you know, cut out Netflix if that's just your life. Mm-hmm. Just like add in just a little, little bit. And then maybe it'll grow that interest that you have. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's like a really good place to start if someone is new to this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your favorite books or resources, podcasts that you love in this category? I always go back to Lewis House and I feel like oh, so everyone good. loves him, but I, and that's fine. But I actually am so impressed with the growth that he's had in his podcast mm-hmm. and the, the type of speakers that he's had on. Yeah. And I find myself, I can go to so many different topics and walk away so inspired by them. Mm-hmm. And when I'm pretty, when I'm a little bit unmotivated in work, I'll listen to how I built this. I'll try to find someone that has gone through some tough times and try to listen and I'll get re inspired because I'm like, okay, you made it out. You made it out alive. It's true. That's a, it's a really great podcast. Okay. This has been amazing. Demi, tell everyone where they can find you. Shop 12th Tribe. Like, tell us everything. You can join the brand on Instagram or online. It's called 12th Tribe, but on Instagram, it's Shop 12th Tribe. And you can follow my personal account at Demi Marchese and yeah. Website. www.12thtribe.com. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Demi. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.